Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we're going to talk today about grief and the perspective of time, because, uh, gosh, um, your brothers uh, died 40 years ago, I realized this year, and what a long time it had been. And we have a guest today who also lost a child over, you know, three decades ago. And we were saying that it would be interesting to talk about grief over the perspective of time. So would you like to introduce our guest today? Absolutely. And I love the topic because people don't realize that, uh, you know, things change and you miss different things as you go through your your life. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what you're all going to say about this. Our, our guest today is Eleanor Vincent. And Eleanor is a bereaved parent whose 19-year-old daughter died uh, from a horse riding accident. And she is the author of Swimming with Maya, A Mother's Story. Her essays appear in At the End of Life, True Stories About How We Die, and This I Believe on Motherhood. Welcome to the show, Eleanor. Thank you so much. Great to have you on the show today. And uh, as I was reading your story, I'm thinking, wow, uh, so many similarities and things to think about some of your essays that you've written and uh, how life changes and the perspective. I, I wondered how, what are your major thoughts on these uh, long-term losses? Mm, such a good question. Um, I, I think it's probably different for everyone, as we say, you know, everyone grieves differently. And for me, I think over time, I guess what I've come to is that I can never really fully accept that Maya is gone, even though it's been so long, because she feels very alive to me. But what I say is that I've incorporated that loss into my life. It's not a loss I can say, oh, I accept, or there's closure. I, I really dislike that word closure or even the old bromide that time heals. Bob Niemeyer says that closing is for bank accounts, not love accounts. Correct. That's I love brilliant. That. Oh, I love yeah. that. Thank <laughs> you so much for that. I absolutely love that. That's exactly right. I guess the loss or my sense of loss has shifted with time. And as I've ex incorporated Maya's absence, as well as her ongoing presence in my life, I've learned to hold these two opposite things, which is, yep, she's gone, not coming back. And at the same time, her presence is so alive to me because as her mother, of course, I knew her intimately. And we had many wonderful times as well as many battles. She was not an easy person. Um, and I don't think I am either. And the two of us were very alike. So sometimes when you have a child who's very like you, I've observed that you often have more conflict, but you may also have more closeness. And so 
that was a wonderful gift that I had with Maya, and I think she had with me, is that we have this amazing sense of closeness. And over time, that sense has kind of deepened and softened in a way. I can't, there are some things that it's upsetting to me that I can't fully remember, and then other things that I remember really vividly. And as I think um, Heidi was noticing earlier, these things shift as we go through time. You miss different things. And I think that is absolutely correct. I, I remember one year I, I was at a Halloween parade mm -hmm. and I didn't think anything about Halloween at the beginning of this. And then I started seeing all these little five and six and seven year olds dressed up in these great costumes. And I just burst into tears. I just literally had a breakdown standing there on the curb because it just took me back to what it was like with my children. I have a, another daughter who is eight years younger than Maya. And um, just that memory of Halloween's with the girls and somehow the memory of the two of them and because Maya was the older one, how she would help Megan with her costume. <laughs> the little jealousies and the arguments and, you know, all the things about Halloween just became so vivid for me in that moment. And when you're not expecting it, you know how it is sometimes when one of those waves comes. Yeah, when you're not... little, those little triggers. Yeah. Yeah. You're not. I remember seeing my grandson, um, Scott was a football player and my grandson, I go over to the house and he's dressed up to go out for football. And I'm like, mm -hmm. whoa, how do you had those events? Yeah, I remember when Scotty, my my uh, nephew, who was named after my brother, look, came in, and it was almost jarring because they they happened to look alike, and then they were in the same. He was in a uniform, so I, I've had those moments often, often in my life. And, and I like what you're saying, Eleanor. They're not physically here, and yet we're connected. And what I've been surprised about is that I am still as connected as I am to Scott forty years later. I've been surprised by that. I didn't realize that it would be that I would be thinking about him and he would be incorporated in my life forever when he first died. Right. How would you know that? I mean, you couldn't know that. Yeah. But I think anyone who's experienced a loss and lived long enough to truly incorporate that loss mm -hmm. would agree. I mean, I don't know anybody, any other grief parent or even brief siblings. Obviously, my daughter is a brief sibling, my surviving daughter, Megan, um, who doesn't feel that way. I know that one of the big fears early on for people is that they will forget them. Mm -hmm. And uh, they worry about sometimes the smell of the child on a blanket or their clothes. Or I've had people tell me that they put them in plastic bags so they wouldn't lose that. They're so afraid that they're going to lose that connection. But we can all tell you that you really don't. Right. Yeah, the it connection changes. It shifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you don't. I I don't know anyone, and I certainly haven't myself lost the connection. And just recently, I had an experience that was again one of those surprises. <laughs> and this is now thirty-one years later. But I recently moved, and I was clearing out the garage. And I had forgotten that when I moved to the place I was leaving, I had put several boxes of Maya's things and I had labeled them very clearly, you know, letters and mementos. And I even have the clothes that she was wearing the day of the accident, which I haven't been able to get rid of, that I keep. 
and the purse that she was carrying that day with all her things in it. And when I came face to face with those boxes with the label on it, I really, I had a hard time keeping it together. And I had lug guys there to carry my things to the new location. And it was like, oh, I was just stunned. And then later on that night, I just, you know, I let myself cry because it was yeah. like, I just wasn't expecting it. I just forgot about Maya's things. And just there was something about just seeing those labels on there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You've got another connection that is really interesting and pretty phenomenal that you talk about is organ donation. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now we weren't able to do that. The car blew up and he and his cousin were burned. So they, we weren't able to do organ donation, but I know um, you talk about it. It's kind of shocking when they come in you just lost their child and they come in and ask you if you'll donate organs and they have to do that because they they have to get them right when they can and and all of the organs that can be donated it's pretty remarkable oh it's stunning and there have been so many ad advances in transplantation and donation in the years since Maya died you know I realize now I was a little bit early on in all of that. And I think the way they request now is different from what I describe in the book. It wasn't exactly handled in the best possible way. Usually they have the donor coordinator come and talk to you first and explain before a medical person actually makes the request. And that wasn't our case. And I think it was possibly as you say, Gloria, that she had already been on life support for four days by the time they declared her brain dead. So certain of the organs would be degrading by that point. And I think they were a bit, uh, I don't know exactly how to characterize it, but they felt it's an urgency about it. On top of that, they had two people who were literally dying at the point that they requested the heart recipient and the liver recipient. So in looking back, I can see now that what I experienced, you know, in my state of shock at when they told me that she was brain dead, the ways in which I experienced that moment are now tempered by everything I, I now know about donation and transport, transplantation and what's happened over the years. And through my relationship with both the man who received her heart and his family, and then the liver recipient and her young daughter, who's now a mother herself, because all these years have passed, um, I, I kind of see it differently now. And um, yeah, it's just a miracle. I, there, I, there really is no other word for it, what they can do. And that, you know, you in meeting both the heart recipient and the liver recipient, I have this connection to Maya because both of them were so grateful. And sadly, the heart recipient has died now but he lived for 16 years past the transfer wow wow long enough to see his daughter go to college wow. she was so grateful that she reached out to me about 10 years ago and said hey i'm pregnant with my first child and i'm naming the baby maya uh -huh. oh that's so, amazing yeah, that's eleanor cry. that's so sweet that is absolutely a phenomenal oh, story and maya saved so two touching. lives yeah that's unbelievable yeah, there's a little. It's kind of bittersweet because as you were grieving, another family was sad that she was dead, but they were celebrating the fact that their loved ones would now live. Right. Exactly.
That's unbelievable. And I love that they named this little girl Maya. That's wonderful. Yeah, it is wonderful. It's such, it's a gift and it was deeply touching. And of course it made me sad, but it also made me happy. <laughs> right. And, you know, the liver recipient is a woman about five years younger than me, and we have become really good friends. And she's now lived 31 years past this transplant. Wow. Her daughter, who was seven at the time of the transplant, they didn't even tell her daughter what was really happening because she was too young. But um, Patty was here in San Francisco at California Pacific when she got the transplant. Mm -hmm. And as her daughter grew up and they were able to tell her more, her daughter became an advocate for transplantation, actually gave a report about it in one of her college classes. I've met this whole family, including Patty's mother. And her mother, as you can imagine, was incredibly grateful that you know her daughter was still here. And Patty's now a grandmother. Erin, her daughter, has two beautiful little boys. So you know, we're talking about the passage of time. And of course, yeah. there's the passage of time and how it affects your grieving. But then in my case, because of the transplantation, there's this passage of watching these people's lives continue. And every year on the anniversary, April 6th of Maya's death, when Patty got her transplant, I get a message from her. Uh -huh. saying, Thank you so much. And she posts on Facebook and tells everyone what happened and you know about this amazing you know she's had this liver for 31 years now that's wow. amazing and it, it can be very hard to get a liver transplant i know because my father-in-law was on a donor list and never got one yeah, yeah. and he died yeah so i mean this so is, many this people is a big, died. it's a big deal Actually. it's a big deal what what she, maya did and you know you did for her was a huge like you said you saved lives and added many many years to these people's lives yeah I wanted to talk a little bit about sibling loss and, and how your daughter's doing. Yes. Megan is amazing. Megan is 33. She was 11 when Maya died. Yeah, no, it was hard because, of course, the parent is the primary griever and the child is so worried. And, you know, mm -hmm. I was a single mom and poor Megan was dealing with a mother who wasn't really fully present. Tried as hard as I did. It was really rough. And so... Um, I had asked her if she wanted to get into grief therapy, and she said she didn't, but she was willing to get into a grief group. So she joined a group about six months after Maya died. She joined a group of other young people who had survived a family loss, and I think she benefited greatly from that. She was in it for about a year, and finally she came to me and said, Mom, I think I'm, I think I'm done now. And, you know, I just went with the flow with her. I didn't want to force her to do anything, but I wanted to offer her as much support as possible. And I think that was very beneficial to her. Um, and then I think she also benefited because she had such a close group of friends. Um, her best friend is still, from that time, is still her best friend. And wow. I also am socially close to Laura, my daughter's best friend. We live in the same community. Megan and her family now live up in Sacramento. So I see Laura and I was close to Laura's family. They were very instrumental at the time Maya died. They were so supportive. So I think having these circles of support, the professional support, then the friends support, the family support, um, Megan's uh, dad and his family, they're a very large family. And now these two girls are from different fathers. There were two marriages. So um 
Megan really benefited from having that huge network of family who were very supportive. And in the course of the years, there have been other losses within that extended family. So I think Megan has been somebody that people have turned to and she's been able to offer support to other grieving siblings, to her cousins. Um, and very sadly, 10 years after Maya died, Megan's half-brother from my second husband's first marriage, these blended families are tricky, uh, was killed in a similar accident. Oh, and wow. that was devastating, just horrible. By the time my daughter was 21 years old, she'd lost both of her siblings. Wow, that's so, awful. Megan is a very strong, very grounded, very loving person who has been able to move on with her life in such positive and wonderful ways. I have two beautiful granddaughters. Megan and her husband, Todd, are wonderful parents. It's so gratifying to see that and to know that, you know, it's not only possible to survive a loss, but to really thrive after loss. Yeah. I think that's kind of the whole message here. Yes, Absolutely. and it's important for parents to hear that because, you know, parents worry that their kids' lives are forever destroyed. Right. And Eleanor, you're a great example that they're not. It's a devastating thing for us, but we go on to have amazing lives. Hey, for all of you people who are feeling like, are we going to get through or are our kids going to get through? You do get through. And I think it does. You do have some, we like to call it post-traumatic growth. All right, Heidi? Absolutely. I think we grow in profound ways. And, you know, the research supports that and shows like that siblings, as well as bereaved parents, we, we are able to handle adversity better. We appreciate relationships more. Uh, oftentimes we're more spiritual. Um, you know, we appreciate life more basically. And so I think that, that there are ways that we grow as you, as you all know. Eleanor, tell us where people can get in touch with you. Well, they can visit my my website, which is very easy. It's just eleanorvincent.com. So at my website is a great way to connect with me or on social media. I'm on all the platforms. So that's the best way. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And uh, such a testament to life does go on and, and it can be rich. Well, thank you so much for having me. What an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much, Eleanor, for giving people hope after loss. And I know that Maya is your guiding light. She is. That's true. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on this show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.